Episode 287 of the No Persinium Podcast, the voice of everything immersive. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, coming to you from the No Pro headquarters, aka the kitchen table, here in Los Angeles. This week on the show, one of my favorite people to talk to, that would be Lou Doy. Lou is an executive producer of Immersive Work. Yes, we have those. We have executive producers uh, who uh, works in uh, in England, uh, works out of England, I should say. Every, everything's online these days, so you only work out of places. Um, I don't work out at all. No, I do. It's been a while. Anyway, stop it. Uh, this is the ninth time I've tried to record the opening, and this is going to be the one, no matter what. Uh, so Lou and I have had like a series of conversations over uh, the past year and change. Uh, we were initially put together uh, thanks to uh, the Kaleidoscope grants, which are now uh, the Artisan grants. Uh, uh, Lou is runs the Transformation grant, of which I'm a board member. And Lou and I just, we, we, we talked you know, initially at the beginning of that. And then we just keep on talking. Uh, And so much so that you'll hear in the piece, I was like, oh, I thought we had already done a podcast because our conversations feel like they should be podcast episodes. So that's what you're getting today. Um, Lou's Lou's work has appeared in a a number of festivals. Uh, You know, she's worked with uh, the RSC, uh, with, let me take a look at all the, all the logos here. Uh, so she's worked with the RSC, the national theater, uh, garage stories, uh, catapult digital have all been involved in the work, uh, that Lou's put uh, together. Uh, she was one of the people who was working on the, um, the original, a location-based version of the project that became dream, uh, dream, which is opening this weekend. So it's, it's kind of appropriate that, that I'm talking to Lou. Uh, and uh, she talks a little bit about uh, what uh, the thing was going to be or parts of what the thing was going to be. Um, what are some of that was like afterwards? Anyway, it all blurs. <laughs> shocking. Shocked. I know you're shocked. Those of you who listened to the show before, absolutely shocked that it blurs in my mind. Um, but this is, uh, this is a really great discussion, um, if I do say so myself, uh, just about the, the, the business of all this. Um, in a, in a grounded way, right? Like where, where we're talking about sort of the state of things, how they are, uh, from, from the two perspectives we've got. And, uh, I think you will learn uh, a lot, much like every time I talk to Lou, I learn a lot. And, um, just seeing how this world of this weird little world of ours works. And for folks who are really interested in hybrid, uh, meaning, the place where immersive theater and XR meet, that's where Lou lives. So um, that that is that is the stuff that uh, she produces a lot of, and she comes from a performing arts background into this tech space. And um, there's there's few people you should be listening to more than Lou. So there you go. Uh, not me. I'm just the the weirdo who talked his way into all these rooms. So um, okay. 
Speaking of rooms, you can talk your way into. That is not a segue. Why did I do that? Uh, I want to talk to you about the Spring Fling, which is coming up on March 27th and 28th. Um, we have gone into uh, tell people what the hell this thing is mode, which helps. Uh, the first wave of panels uh, we have announced. Uh, and uh, I think last week I mentioned the fact that we're going to have uh, the cast of The Under Presents. Uh, uh, there's like just a whole, whole bunch of folks. Um, you know what? There's there's people that I didn't transfer over here. Uh, so um, there's this one, two. Look, there's a lot. There's like close to a dozen of them. And there's some names I hadn't put on yet, which uh, just that's literally probably someone's going to be upset and it's just like no i just it's just i didn't have you in the email list when i was copy pasting things that's how things go not a, it's not an oversight it's my email um which i call oversight but anyway you know some people have outlook i have oversight anyway other panels include our making meaning in the metaverse panel uh sarah perry who's the movement movement director uh of the royal shakespeare company's dream uh, is one of the guests so is uh, nancy baker cahill uh the sculptor and new media artist uh whose ar work uh is appearing at uh is appearing in i guess in vr this time uh, but also will be in ar uh at south by southwest this year also uh edward madojimu uh, who is a VR artist and creator uh, whose Adami and Falian is in the Museum of Other Realities uh, or or one of one of his uh, uh, works in that project is uh, Edward did this really amazing uh, kind of um, ex- phys- spatially explorable comic book. That's how we'll say that. Got to come up with the term sometimes. Uh, and as a comic book nerd, literally the most exciting thing I saw <laughs> in 2019 uh and unfortunately it's still not around for people to check out but still edward's going to be there like this dude is a fourth year at art school and he's just thinking about this stuff uh in the way that makes me really excited about the next generation thinking about this stuff um We've also got a, another metaverse little theme. We'll get into the why later. Uh, uh, we've got a salon uh, we're calling Tagging the Metaverse. And this one is, um, this one's a, a wee bit technical, but it is so interesting. So let me read the description for you. I'm, I'm going to read. I'm a better reader than I am a talker some days. Learn how to influence the way that search engines process information about your immersive and experiential work. The Pair CG Group is an open and artist-led group creating guidelines to shape how search engines connect audiences with immersive experiences, potentially shaping how experiential work can be discovered in the digital universe or stay hidden forever. Now, who are these people that can do such a thing? And come on, really, really? Yeah, really. This is a working group, uh, a community working group that is going to make recommendations to the W3C. Um, You internet nerds just had your entire heads uh, light on fire. Uh, The W3C is the standards body for the internet. They are the people who influence how the code itself is written html css like all the server side stuff um it's the regulatory body of the internet and this is a community group that works with it so uh it is i I like to talk about writing to the chrome and we don't get closer to the metal than the w3c so uh if you want to if you want to understand how things are going to be when it comes to uh promoting work in the future um because of the way the search engines are going to literally read what you write this is the thing to do but 
more importantly, these are the people to talk to if you have some ideas about how that should be. So that's one to do. Uh, we've also got a, a lovely fireside chat from uh, with the folks who created Burning Man's Temple this year uh, in uh, Black Rock City Online. Uh, we've got a world-making salon, and we've got panels coming from our friends at ARGN and Room Escape Artist, and there should be one more uh, one more group, uh, to, uh, talk about, uh, Oh, and there's a, there's an education panel, uh, talking about educating the next generation. Uh, and we've got folks from, uh, uh, from SUNY, uh, from the Johnny Carson center, from Princeton and from the university of Chicago all coming through. So, uh, that one is going to be pretty, pretty good. If you know, educating the future is something you're concerned with. And then, of course, uh, we are getting ready to put together the game night stuff. Um, the unconference will unlock next week, and so will game night slots uh, as we start to continue to pad this out. Uh, we're only charging five bucks for our Patreon backers and ten dollars for everybody else. And this is kind of a, a you know, it's our loose fun spring celebration slash marking the anniversary of oh all the things we didn't get to do. Uh, so a, a wee bit of melancholy in our in our in our springness, but, um, March 27th, uh, starting at 9am Pacific, uh, and kind of running to two o'clock on Sunday. Uh, I mean, not continuously probably, uh, but yeah, come on down to the spring fling. Uh, we want to see you there. It's uh, discord zoom. Uh, there's going to be events in clubhouse. It's going to be fun. Uh, speaking of clubhouse, we did our second, uh, everything immersive radio last night, got another mega thread from Kent by out of it. We also opened up our Discord for folks to see the note-taking in real time, and we also just opened up our Discord in general. So uh, if you want to join the Discord, which is basically, uh, you know, the second coming of the Slack, uh, swing on through. There are links in the Slack if you already have access to the Slack. Uh, you can also DM us uh, at uh, on Twitter, or you can also look in the Everything Immersive group on Facebook, and there are uh, the this week's link is available. Um, it is not actually a searchable server cause I don't want just total randos coming in. Uh, but, uh, it's pretty easy to find at this point. Uh, and of course, if you are a Patreon backer and you don't, um, you know, find the link in, in, in the, uh, find the link on Patreon. Yes. Words. They are a thing that come out of your mouth sometimes. Wow. How does that even work? I don't know. Speaking of the Patreon, patreon.com slash no proscenium. That's how you uh, support us. I don't know why you would. Uh, Only because you enjoy us enough that you, you, you know, don't want to see us become homeless. And by us, I mean me. Uh, So, uh, because the, you know, this, what is that? Oh, there's someone on the porch. Uh, Luckily, they're supposed to be there. Um, uh, Living in the city, man. You never know. You never know. Uh, anyway, patreon.com slash no proscenium. No new backers this week. Maybe that's another reason why I'm kind of being like, oh, why would you do it? Um, but uh, Folly Games uh, did convert to an annual, which is a thing you can do if you like us enough that you just want to be like, eh, let me just pay this all at once and you can do that. Uh, but seriously, um, the, the dream is that everyone who uses our stuff, uh, even on a, a semi-regular basis, uh, puts just two or five bucks into the kitty over at patreon.com slash no proscenium. And, uh, I swear to God, I think I say that in my sleep sometimes. And, uh, then, you know, uh, I don't freelance and we start paying the stringers and everything is nice and good. 
if we can get everyone to like put money into the commons as opposed to, I don't know, buying JPEGs, which is, which is all the rage right now. Let's buy some JPEGs. I want to buy someone's old tweets. Maybe I should NFT my old tweets. No, I'm not going to do that. Um, the environmental stuff like bugs me too much. No way. Anyway, that's for another day. Do you not know what I'm talking about? You are so lucky. Can I be you? Uh, all right. (laughs) We need to thank our sustaining backers to keep us alive. Ari Hurston, Brittany, Elaine, Emily Gillette, Lonnie Hanson, Paul F., Mark Balthazar, Samuel Mustry, Sydney Guillory, and Jan Budman. Thank you all for supporting the show, supporting the website, the newsletter, the Discord, the shenanigans on Clubhouse, moderating the Facebook, all that stuff. Yeah, that's what you're paying for. This this glamorous lifestyle of mine of checking web pages every hour on the hour. Okay. Um, I'm actually really giddy and I'll explain why at some point in the future. Um, and maybe I'm just like shaking off the barnacles. It's been a year y'all. It's been a year. We'll do more of that after this interview with Lou. Cause, uh, this, this opening is not 13 minutes long. So sorry. All right, let's get to the meat of this. I hope you enjoy. Lou, thanks for joining me on the podcast. We've we've talked like we've had so many conversations now, so many that like I thought we had done the podcast before. I'm just saying this before I recording. And so I'm sitting there going like, "Yeah, what did we talk about last time?" That's what I was typing away a bit earlier. So what did we do? I was like, "Oh, oh, oh, we didn't." <laughs> <laughs> it's because we're always chatting about business and life and uh, yeah, just things in the world. Um, yeah, <laughs> quite regularly, actually. <laughs> And and I know Lou because Lou uh, runs one of uh, the artisan uh, knee kaleidoscope grants, uh, the transformation grant, which we'll talk about in a bit. And and I and I've I've been involved with the board of that like um, with the past year or so. Although I'm like tardy on 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 the past couple of meetings, um, <laughs> but uh, and and we're gonna. The goal is also to have like Renee Pinnell uh, of Artisan, uh, you know, on the show in a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to before we'll, we'll get into that part. But Lou, you were just mentioning uh, kind of the the bit of research you're up to at the moment for uh, the audience of the future project, and so I wonder. And since I think particularly this week we've got we've got the RSC on our mind, we've got mm-hmm. the audience of the future on our mind because Dream is mm-hmm. opening. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> But but you're you're always looking at sort of like the way this is, this this kind of like um, works in 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 the broad sense, yeah. and like how it's going to impact other creators and other producers. So yeah, yeah maybe start here. That's that's going to be our morning chat. Why do you have my coffee and you have your afternoon? Yeah, exactly. I'll have my cup of tea and you can have your morning coffee. Um, yeah, no, that's a really good place to start actually because you and I have talked about this a number of times, and um, it's because obviously dream is is happening this week which is phenomenal it's great uh, that uh you know this this huge project is coming together um but there's such a bigger wider package with it which is the research attached to it and i initially started actually on it as a as a fellow i was a digital fellow um on the project um to royal shakespeare company um at the time magic leap but that um and then 
the dream project kind of spanned out of um, sort of lots of conversations with with Epic Games and you know Marshmallow Laser Feast and Punch Drunk, and we were all workshopping uh, stuff in Stratford. Um, and the fellows created a small piece of work, which um, it's a shame, but it hasn't seen the light of day because of COVID. But that was like a VIP experience with cocktails and immersive theatre. Um, so hopefully one day that will see the light of day. But the other side of my role, really, on the project was as a with a research package. Um, as much as I'm an executive producer, I do research as an academic. Because for me, it's really important at the moment to find producing models business models, we're all in this sector bringing creatives and technologists together, um, at, but we're all struggling to find ways of financing, distribution. Um, you know, there's bits of the film markets we're going to, to in my world, coming from theatre, I'm looking at arts funding, and then there's tech funding. You know, all of these things have to be taken into account when you're bringing a multidiscipline team together. So uh, the research that, that I'm doing is a, it's like a cross analysis, really, of distribution models, um, which has been conducted by R2 Media at Goldsmiths University, uh, and how that um, audience report is informing future producing models for creative exile sector. Uh, that I've looked at various great things happening around the world uh, and some brilliant you know, projects that are out there. Um, and really starts to analyze what's working and what's not working. But really, my, my information is, is, is going to be early stage. You know, this is a conversation that we all need to be having uh, regularly. And we need to be thinking about financing routes, really. So, yeah, that, that, that's sort of my side of it. And that, that report will come out after the performance has done its thing and we've all got our heads together. And we're hoping that there might be some sort of book that'll come out as well um but by the time the book's published it'll be out of date anyway that's, what really happens. <laughs> <laughs> that's life <laughs> i mean like right now yeah we would kind of we would kind of hope yeah. a little bit of that just because things are so mm. mutated in mm. in the pandemic i mean is there a bit of a silver lining in and, and that's a hard thing particularly mm. here in the states to be thinking of any kind of silver lining with what's happened although Although there, there, are, there are, I mean, well, the silver lining metaphor is always garbage anyway, but like, is there any good news that's emerged for our, there's, that's a better way of thinking of it. It's like, oh, what's the bright thing that was worth all the suffering? Nothing, nothing. Yeah. What's the positive? Like, nothing was. What did we salvage? Ah, salvage. Yes. I understand salvage. Yeah. What have we salvaged from this year? Salvage. Um, it's, it's a tough one, but I, you know, something I see as a salvage is a positive. Because I do like to see, I do like to find the positive in a lot of things, um, as much as possible, and and you know, it's the positive really is that I think audiences are going to be more open with new technologies, and whether we, you and I, might not see some of the softwares as new technologies like zoom or whatever um but but there are audiences that haven't used that kind of tech before so therefore when pitching for investment audiences have grown so there is a better pitch to be had to say okay this is my product it's happening on this bit of hardware or in this bit of software and look if you look at these stats there's a proof of growth in those stats so give me some money give me some investment you know whether that's going to a grant or whether that is going to uh, I don't know uh, some kind of you know um, investor of some kind 
I just think those models are interesting. I also think uh, there's going to be more experimentation and uh, artists, some artists that I have worked with in the past have never worked with technology are reaching out saying, what do I do with this? How do I cope? How do I, how do I engage with this? Um, and they're not being put off by it. And I think the more people that experiment with it, the more we're going to get further towards the idea of um, some form of distribution model that uh, is not just reliant on the current ones that are out there. Um, and I'd like to think that, you know, of course, we all want to get those big deals with those big companies. Um, but there might be some more like smaller bespoke ones. At the moment, it feels like everything that's out there that's possible to get to the bigger world where lots of audiences see it is a bit like big theatres, you know. The art centre version isn't quite there yet. That's my theory. Um, but yeah, it's, I think there is a silver lining. I think audience growth is a silver lining. With When you're dealing with funders, mm. you know, and, and you're dealing with mm. a tech platform, particularly something that maybe has been around for a while but has, has finally found its legs, mm. do, do you see resistance? Because I think about the life cycle of and, and then the narrative around VR mm. and how Silicon Valley a, a few years ago had just like kind of given up. They were like, oh, it's not going to be a thing. It's not It's not the next iPhone, so we don't care anymore. We just dumped, like, you know, several business cycles worth of cash into these things, yeah. and then they, they wandered off. Or, you know, you look at what happened with Magic Leap, right, who were yeah. working on the RSC project. Prime example. Um, and just like, eh, yeah, no, guess not. Bye. <laughs> and, and then you have something like the year we just had, and you have, mm. you know – Facebook coming through with the Oculus 2 numbers and like the developers who stuck around coming mm. through and saying, yeah, we're, we're hitting our sales. Like we're seeing, we're seeing growth, we're seeing mm. uptake. Um, yeah. it, it, when you go to the, when you go to funders, when you talk, whether it's, whether it's corporate or it's institutional, mm. you know, do they, do they, do they, is there a resistance that comes up about a, a, a platform that has quote unquote failed, but that yeah. you know is now finally taking off? Are those kind of conversations? You yeah. Yeah. I think so. I mean, you, you, I mean, I've read a number of articles actually exactly about that, about how mm. investors invested in VR and then and felt stung by it because it hasn't had the rewards that they've necessarily expected. But there's been a growth and we can see there's a growth in the market now. And I think what's happened is that because there's been certain VR headsets on the market that have had a growth in the market, had a growth in that's been people buying them and investing in them that wouldn't normally have one, it's almost like a stepping stone to AR. Mm. And, and I think it's really interesting when you see things like Apple are talking about releasing a VR headset because why are they all of a sudden doing it and possibly putting back the, um, you know, the release of the AR? Maybe they see the VR as the stepping stone to getting their audiences into AR. Maybe that's one of the routes. I don't know. Um, but when talking to investors, I um, yes, the tech is there. Yes, sometimes you do come across people saying, well, you know, that didn't really quite uh, come off as much as it did. Um, I, will, I would always urge on selling, not just the tech, you know. I will sell the superpowers of a team. I will sell the how cool a project is and actually how that project uh, could potentially be groundbreaking. Um, and, you know, there's one project I'm working with at the moment with Kate Moss, who's an author, and bringing her together with a, uh, QXL Studios. And, um, 
yeah, Kate has a draw. She's a, she's you know an international selling author, award winning award winning author, um, and so her sales and who Kate is and the gravitas of Kate does help when you're going to people like investors for stuff. Um, but I would say that one thing. I mean, the difficulty is if you are a smaller company and you know you don't have Patrick Stewart doing your voiceover or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I get how hard that is. Um, but it's always about finding that angle of that pitch. Uh, and I do really believe people will invest in people if they like them and they think they're really, really cool and innovative. And so, yeah, I tend to pick, I tend to also pick projects that are a bit like that anyway, get a bit of a gut feeling. And I'd like to think that as we move forward, that um, maybe more people will realize the potential uh, of VR as a stepping stone to yeah. that AR market. So, yeah, I don't know what your thoughts are on it. I mean, the, the tech, I've never been a huge AR person. Mm. Uh, I always come back to the idea of, I I Mm. feel like the one thing you could really, at least with the way that AR will be for the first few years, Mm. um, or, or where it was maybe like seven years ago, like what Mm. the limitations would be, you know, I would give the example. I was, I was actually, I I go back to this argument I was having with, with Mm. a friend, we were sitting in a a verse kuche, which is a which is a, mm. a sausage place in, <laughs> in, in in LA. It's like a German German sausages and beer hall, right? Uh, but a hipster one. You know, everything's all these hard angles, right? In wood, right. it's weird, yeah. right? It's great though. It's tasty and it's good beer. But you like, have a beard to go in, then do I? <laughs> you have a beard? Yeah, they stay. If you don't have a beard, they they spirit gum a beard to you. Uh, and, okay. and if you don't, if you don't get beer and sausage in the beard, yeah. you're never allowed to return. It's really oh okay right. I'll come when I next visit. Then I'll come over with my false beard. Then and my and my beanie hat. <laughs> I, I probably actually just like made a better experience. Like people love horse kitchen. It's good. It's good. It's good stuff. It's like, I think I just made a better experience in them, uh, and I like them. But anyway, so we're sitting there and like we're having an argument about AR versus VR because they were very much like go like go. They were like, oh, I'm not interested in VR. Uh, I don't want to close out the world, and I'm just always and I'm like. Look, the one thing we could do with AR in this space is we could do like a murder mystery dinner thing. We mm. could like project a body onto a table, but then I'm just like projecting a body onto a table and some murder mm. mystery dinner. And I'm like, eh, those aren't my favorite thing, you know, mm. like I've, I've run enough LARPs over the years that like that, that stayed format doesn't do anything for me. And it's not like I don't like mysteries. I do like mysteries. Mm. Um, <laughs> I'm much more interested in the moment for AR if we could you know, do like a, a full write over, right? Like what if this bar, like I don't want to be in verse Cooch, Cooch I want to be in the Moss Eisley Cantina or I want to be on 10 forward on Star Trek, mm. or I want to be, I want to be in a setting that is entirely different. And when the AR can like rewrite the whole room. Yeah. So as I look around, like it's actively rewriting what everybody looks like, yeah. then I'm excited right now. I can do that in VR. Yeah. Right? You can be fully immersed in VR. That's the can, thing, isn't it? You're going to be lost yeah. in it, I think. Yeah. I can I can be fully immersed in it. Yeah. Yeah. I was very excited about things like The Void and and Dreamscape. Yeah. Uh, the, the LBE spots because mm. which which I think that like, you know, those were just starting out in their arcs and I know like think the Void's business has completely imploded and I and I and I know mm. Dreamscape is just like paused. Mm. Uh, at least from what I'm reading in in in, in the papers. Mm. Um but like there you could, you know, over, you could have this like 
simple set and you could overwrite it with different visual information and change the haptics a little bit and your brain starts to fill in the details like you can really get lost in it you your imagination wants to play along Mm. and with ar ar can drop an object in right now it can Mm. drop an object in or make like a little person like on your on your table but it it it's just like a window into another world and it's not a fully realized other world. And I'm kind of encouraged by what's happening in VR right now in terms of the content. Ugh, I hate that word. Uh, in terms of the art. Ah, there's the word. There's the word. Jimmy. There's the word. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Art. Why don't yeah. we just call it art? You know? <laughs> it's funny that language, language in this world is odd. I mean, I do the same in the in theatre world. There's certain words I'm just sick of hearing. And at the moment, it's like really everything's immersive theatre. I'm like, really? I don't need it anymore. Please, someone come up with something else. <laughs> yeah. Well, well yeah. everything everything wants to be immersive theatre. Yeah. And it's like, and, and we're, I mean, no proscenium. We're, we're the snobs of immersive theater. We're like, really? Are you? Are you? Yeah. You think you are? Mm, come here. Come here. Let me show you. Yeah. <laughs> Prove it to me. Mm-hmm. And someone, I mean, literally someone's mm-hmm. got to do it. It's like a self-appointed so, yeah. so do you job. think then, when we're talking about AR and, and VR then, mm-hmm. do you think there's going to be a growing market in VR? Are you kind of thinking it's going to keep growing? Or do you think actually when we come out of this pandemic that we're going to be in a point where it's just, uh, it would have reached its peak? Um, what's your thoughts? I think it's kind of like with, say, the explosion of uh, Clubhouse, which is that mm. social audio app. Yeah. It's all the rage here in the States. I don't know if it's infected England yet. Yeah, it has. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <we> <laughs> you got it? Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's, it's, it. it's our fault. Um, <laughs> you know, this the things that have a bit of a destination to them. Mm. I, I think whether that is, you know, some stickiness around social experiences or, you know, stuff that, you know, the equivalent of like a, a blockbuster title, like in a mm-hmm. film, I think that will, that will be what's needed for the next wave of the drive post pandemic. Mm-hmm. Like shovelware is, is fine mm-hmm. when you have ubiquity of a platform, right? Like the, you know, you look, go into like an iPhone and like, look at the Apple arcade, mm-hmm. which I swear to God, I got to stop paying for. Um, mm-hmm. Like, uh, you just literally got to like turn that function off. Um, <laughs> I know, I know. They, they gave it to me free for a while, uh, and, and then I forgot to turn it off. And I'm just like, why am I still? Why am I? Yeah, I know it's the same. This? I've got the same with Apple TV. It's like yeah. it's, I put it free for a bit, and I know what will happen is I just won't remember to turn it off. I find that frustrating. Actually, that's one of the things I find really annoying. Is you sign up to this stuff because you get it for free, and yeah. then you yeah, and then you realize six months later it's starting to come out of your account. Although, um, although I will say, uh, Apple TV. Uh, Mm-hmm. Better, better than it should be. Some of the shows on there. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of uh, I'm a fan of Dickinson and Ted Lasso. Yeah. So, um, like, I don't I don't know how Ted Lasso would play in England, though. That's that's that. I'm very I'm, I'm yeah. really curious how it would play with it. Yeah. Um, but like, you go into even like you know Apple Arcade, which is like the the curated version of iOS games from Apple. There's just a lot of stuff that we would that in the old days in video games we would call shovelware. Right. Right. You know, and there's there's also there's kind of a and it's not like a bad video game can't become something great, um, which is a weird statement to say. But look at Fortnite. 
right? Yeah, like, no. Fortnite was a total loser for the first year of it. Like mm-hmm. I remember when that game appeared and it was like, but the battle royale mode, which is what Fortnite is synonymous with now, yeah, uh, was an afterthought that that people really enjoyed playing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's become their whole business model and has helped fuel what yeah. Epic what Epic is doing with Unreal. <laughs> You know, I know it's, it's, yeah. it's really interesting, but I think, I mean, that, that brings us to the point actually of the whole thing of, um, you know, performance in, in Fortnite, you know, that idea, mm. you know, that there is live performance in a game, uh, was quite, was really groundbreaking. Um, and I, my head has thought, yeah, it's okay for them to do that and do, and do something as big as that because they can do it. Um, but how do other performers access that opportunity to play in something like that? You know, is there is there a way? And then my head starts to spin about other ideas of is there a way that Fortnite can spin off something else so you can get like a small, as we call it in the UK, we call them toilet venues in the music industry. They're like <laughs> I love venues. it. Yeah, a toilet venue. They're like small venues with sticky floors, and you know, it's where you go and see proper kind of music that's coming through. You know, and uh, I've seen some of the best best gigs in toilet venues. But if Fortnite could do like a toilet venue version, so new and up and coming musicians and bands could go on, like you get on the NPR, you know, NPR do their little tiny desk. Tiny desk concerts. I love yeah. that. I love yeah. that. You know, those sorts of things could be really interesting um, as sort of spin offs. Uh, but then someone's got to make it and would Fortnite do it? And all, you know, your head starts to spin. But I do think there's a market there. I think it's a really interesting market, but that would really probably quite be quite a big thing to invest in, I'd imagine. For well, I mean, I mean, I, Epic's, Epic's really uh, fascinating as a company. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're, trying to slug it out with Apple yeah. over the the yeah. stores. And like, I have, I have mixed feelings about that because there's, there's things in that, you know, at the end of the day, I figure like, well, but Epic just wants to become a landlord, right? It's like, what, what care I if landlords fight? Um, you know, like only, only if they both die, it's like, just it's like Kaiju, let them fight. Um, but you know, you also, there's, there's a, there's an amazing, you know, technology, creative technology side of, epic you know yeah. in what they do with unreal i mean it's just hit today they just bought um alex Kalum, uh who's one of the creators in the scene that we like follow mm-hmm. pretty closely he's the one who like shoved it into my feed um i'm trying to see if i can find it uh they because i i reach i mm-hmm. i rt'd it this is this is the way i do my <laughs> no was twitter it's like his research stack mm-hmm. uh maybe i didn't oh i i retweeted it with no pro that's what it was i didn't put mm-hmm. it into my own but uh, they bought this one company uh, that that's all about, um, you know, capturing, yeah, capturing reality. Oh, that's the name of the company, right? Capturing so, reality. <laughs> yeah, capturing reality. Uh, yeah. Who are who are in Slovenia, uh, right. and I think they're the people who've been doing like the like scanning the cities and whatnot. And so they yeah. Epic just bought them. Well, that's interesting. Um, and you know, that's clearly part mm. of the play for virtual production, right? Mm. You know, it's like you know, capture the whole planet photogrammetry Mm. with photogrammetry and LIDAR input it into virtual stages like you have Mm. on the Mandalorian and make, make great television that way, but uh, make great, make great films that way. Mm. But then you also have the prospect of, you know, um, porting that over into the, Mm -hmm. into the game engine. I mean, 
I mean, dreams using Unreal, you know? Yeah. And there's also like my head says, there's got to be a way. Well, you know, when you think about volumetric capture, mm-hmm. I mean, now you're giving me a project idea now. And now, now I feel like I've got to go and do a deck on this, right? So <laughs> that's the like, problem with this show. Um, yeah, yeah, Lots of decks that. have been made from this show. Here's another one. You know, what's the business model? What's the financing? Da, 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 who's the team? Um, so my head is now saying, you know, when you look at the music industry and the way it's just look at that music industry and the mm-hmm. way that you know it currently functions with young bands coming through or young performers coming through um they need platforms to perform and the pandemic has proved you know that that they they struggle for an income outside of gigging uh, uh and if people could find other ways to diversify their ways of getting out in the world without being just reliant on a live gig it could and also it could really push their careers I mean young people now in music and I'm not I'm really not an expert but but live with lots of musicians and people in the music industry so I sort of hear quite a lot about it is um that you know this whole play for uh you know managing your own self and putting your things on a Spotify playlist and all this other kind of stuff uh if they could just diversify and there was somewhere where they could go into something like you've just talked about where you could be volumetric captured and be streamed out in via some kind of game engine thing it would be really interesting it would be a really interesting shift in the in the music industry um and you, my, know about, yeah. you know about like the the madison beer project that sony's doing yeah right right yeah. like where they've captured sony hall yeah. right i mean hmm. so there's there's the tools are all there, but like like mm. anything, the tools are really expensive, right? So yeah, like they've they've done a whole capture of Sony Hall. Although mm. like once Sony Hall has been captured, like that's the interesting thing. Once the venue's captured, the venue's captured, mm. right? Like you don't you don't need to recapture the venue, yep. which is great. Then you got to capture the performer, and so they're using like Mackenzie um, Scott's, um, uh, you know, hyper real setup. Mm to capture then magnopus is like stitching it all together mm-hmm. and so you know this idea of like an you know it probably i think i think you're onto something here and i think mm-hmm. i think the, the pathway is there of mm-hmm. there will come a point when someone's been touring at a certain level the sad thing is like mm-hmm. I, you, you don't you don't cut you know i don't think you just jump right to the, the virtual yeah. it, unless you're a, a trust fund kid and you're just like oh like call hey dad <laughs> can i go get my avatar made this weekend yeah, because like, my band is like gonna blow up and we want to we want to play in roblox you know <laughs> <laughs> um like that's the, there i just give you there's a preview of a 2024 or someone write that science fiction story um and so like, that will always happen but like there will be a thing where you know i don't know if it's like like here we have like AEG mm-hmm. is one of like the, the the people own a lot of venues. Is it like yeah. AEG captures all their venues and mm-hmm. then like do you do they make like uh are there hybrid versions of the concert so that like you know they sell a they sell an overcapacity ticket or they let people like go to the concert in the you know the I'll say it in the metaverse version of yeah. the concert hall um at the same time the real concert is happening mm. or is it like recorded you know so you can mm. always relive it i mean that's a possibility you yeah. know here's the live can... night relive the live night you know yeah exactly and also those mu- those musicians that uh you know if they're gigging in their local area i say local area depending on where it is but you know their town their city um they're reaching those people then they rely on trying to get a tour and gigs 
you know, and literally getting in a van, getting all their kit in it, going up the, you know, as we were doing the UK, going up to like Liverpool or whatever, getting a gig up there and then driving somewhere else the next day, doing a gig there. That's okay. But again, that's like time consuming to set all that up. It's a lot of effort. And also, you know, we all keep talking about climate change and the planet. It's not great, you know, constantly being in a van driving all over the UK. Um, But, uh, and I mean, as much fun as that is living in the back of a van and the joy of it all in your youth, uh, it's, it's still not great. If there's a way that you could do that and you could supplement that with this virtual, you know, it's then it's re- and it's also opening up the possibilities. You could, I just, I just feel that there's there's more to be had with the concept of what Fortnite have started yeah. with this performance space. There has been, and I'm not, I'm not sure. I haven't heard all the details on it, but I hear there was rumours that Manchester International Festival were looking to do something like this. There was a, not just for music, but for performance mm. uh, as a whole, and they. Um, as as they do like an international festival, they now are acquiring and developing an amazing new set site in Manchester, uh, an actual building rather than a virtual one. But there was talk of this virtual idea, whether that actually came off or they are doing it, I don't know. We'll probably find out in the next uh, year or so, because yeah. uh, they were they were looking at it more of a sort of like an art space, you know. Um, whether they were having an actual stage setting in it was another matter. But I think there's something about the gaming side of it. That's the bit I'm interested in too. It's not just about the virtual building. It's also capturing the audiences within a game. Mm. Um, I'm not saying do it, but can you imagine it in Minecraft? (laughs) Can you imagine, like, you know, what kind of characters would they be in that? It would just be the weird thing. There is a resurgence for Minecraft from teenagers. I'm amazed. I thought Minecraft was day, but no, in the back. No, well, I mean, like, there's resurgence in Minecraft and then, like, (laughs) There's Roblox, which is sort of, you know, in the same genre, but like also has this very vibrant um, creator community. Like you can make, you can make games and like those guys are headed towards an IPO. It's like one of the Mm -hmm. things that's really in all the talk of the gaming press right now on the business side of gaming. And, and they, they self-styled themselves Mm -hmm. as being like, oh, we have, you know, we are a metaverse when every, Mm -hmm. when people say that, like, you know, I, I get why people, you know, want to focus on a metaverse being a thing or like having like a platform mm. and thinking of themselves that their platform is a metaverse. Like mm. I'm a bit pedantic with it. And that like, for me, metaverse means you got to be able to jump between things. Like no one can own it. It's like, mm. no, no, no. It's interoperability. That's when you have a metaverse, you know, mm. um, there's, there's a, there's a, there's a philosophical thing, uh, mm. you know, in terms of being a metaverse and there being layers to it. But like for mm. the metaverse is a thing, but like, you, I look at this thing where we have the possibility of people virtual gigging as going hand in hand with the real life gigging. Mm. You know, you look at an artist like Billie Eilish yeah, and, you know, she, she blew up on Spotify. She blew yeah. up on YouTube. She yeah. blew up on Instagram mm. before she went on tour. She know, goes like- on tour and she gets bigger Mm. right so like you and 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 people it's like you know the the desire to go and and be in a concert venue and see the artist in the flesh does not uh lessen if you own all their albums if you've listened to bootlegs of the concerts Mm -hmm. if you've watched concerts videos yeah it intensifies right it it gets it gets deeper 
it gets yeah. more rabid. Like mm. you, you start to need to go to mm. the actual concert, <laughs> um, like like a like a spiritual mm. calling. And so this is the thing when when folks, you know, there's there's no replacement here. Right, like it's an integral part, and anyone who's worried about like, oh, like, will this replace concerts? Mm-mm, no, it's only going to fuel it. Right? Yeah, and also in in theatre, because that's obviously my background was dance actually, but theater, in the in the performing arts sector, is that we talk a lot about secondary spend. Okay, so you have like mm. your main show and your tickets, but your secondary spend is your merch, basically your yeah. your t shirts, your whatever. You know, Western does it really well. Um, and also, jokingly, you know, secondary spend is your popcorn or your sweeties and your, your drinks at the bar. But, you know, is there a secondary spend model? We see, this is, again, this is the, the, the producer head of me that starts to spin off. Is there a secondary spend model for those musicians or performers in that gaming space or whatever that space, maybe that virtual space? Is there a way that that becomes a bit of a secondary spend model? Or does that become the main thing? And then eventually the live performance becomes a secondary spend, you know? There's something really interesting in that business business model that that way of looking at the financing side of it this is a natural thing as a producer you're always thinking about the sale of it where it's going to go you know we can hang it um yeah. but also thinking I mean, about that income side of it and i i think there is something there i think you know this is really early stages but yeah people have got to start thinking out the box like this because i think there is there's a market out there people say oh no the get the gaming market's not interested in live performance no I just think it hasn't done it right I just don't think live performance has tapped in Fortnite did Fortnite yeah. proved it well and and there's so. there's a whole you know there's mm. an avatar market in Fortnite yeah. and there are avatar yeah. there are other there are you know mm. even in things like VR chat there's an avatar market yeah you know, <laughs> uh th- th- that's a lot more bespoke right yeah. uh yeah. like people like paying real money to get like their avatar rigged up and like know. you know you can you can you can easily see like, you know, oh yeah, t-shirts, right? Or yeah. or like look like the favorite artist or like yeah. here's here's a character. You think of those, oh, you think like you think of the gorillas or you think yeah. of like, you know, some of the metal thinking. bands who had like yeah. iconic characters. And it's like, oh, wouldn't you like to like have that as your avatar? You yeah. know? And like um all that stuff is is definitely within the realm of possibility. But I even think about like venues, right? You know, mm. like you think about like like what would you pay to be able to visit the McKittrick mm. at will, you know, yeah. and like, you know, just like throw on a headset and be teleported into mm. the McKittrick. And yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. What would people pay for that? What would people, you know, and how would, how does that help keep artists going? You know, there's, there's, I mean, when you talk about that, that secondary spin model, I talk about it quite a lot. And I mean, with the, with going back to that dream project, actually, we all talked about, um, uh, lots of um ideas about what could happen to the platform afterwards i mean there's been no dis- decision really but i mean what the rsc have created is a, is a thing and what can happen with that thing afterwards we don't know and i'm not talking about the performance but the actual way that it all happens and goes through um particular website stuff but but yeah it's like then what happens after that you know is there something that can be done with that that is a possibility that people can use it i don't know i haven't kind of gone that far yet but it's uh, all of this stuff has to be questioned. All of this stuff can't be just put on the shelf. That's done. That's brilliant. Let's not look at it again. You have to keep going back to those things and looking about what worked and what didn't work. Um, and I think the come back to Fortnite is it worked. Um, yeah. And that was on the big scale. But how do you then 
take some of that or use some of that and go, that's good, that's good. So with three elements of the idea that worked really well, and then how do you bring that down to a level where people can access it and it becomes a thing that people can use? Like, you know, you've got like game developers developing games, you know, indie games. Is there a way they could partner up and do something similar, you know? I don't know. It becomes then becomes the arts end version, if you know what I mean. But like I was saying, that that idea of something smaller that's accessible. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think in terms of financing... Uh, work like this going back to that point and looking at these mods I think the only way you can do it is to vision those ideas and then put those ideas back up into the world you know and 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 put them out to people and ask people their thoughts on it and then go for the moonshot you know go for it and then pitch for it you never know who's going to invest you just never know I mean maybe maybe we've just come up with an idea that someone else can apply for <laughs> you and I have just actually come up with a stroke of genius who knows we might see it in the world in five years time never know yeah I don't know um, what well, I, I have a feeling like some some of the stuff will some of the elements will definitely yeah, yeah. you know be there right there's there's things that are in the zeitgeist um something we promised folks that we talk about a bit is mm. the, the artisan grant yeah uh, because that's that's kind of like another piece of of the puzzle yeah um, so i wonder if you could like describe you know what that is for folks who who maybe aren't familiar particularly because of the name change because it was the kaleidoscope grant yeah well, yeah it used to be called kaleidoscope didn't it now it's gone to artisan the kaleidoscope is still there but just do, is doing other other things but the that is how you and i met because yeah. i joined in the summer last year um joined the transformations grant and that's how we came together which funds performance that uses technology and i say technology in a broad sense it could be 3d sound design it could be ar vr you know whatever people want to use but it is about innovative uh, performing arts ideas that use technology uh, and the reason i was drawn to it was because it is a small grant, but it's also a small grant that allows people to put a concept forward. They don't have to say, look, I've got a massive prototype and already I've spent all this money on it, which can be the case with some other grants and other things. You can go in there with a concept and have a deck and put your team together. And if that concept's strong enough, it will get the money. I mean, and it's not huge amounts of money, but it's enough, I think, to pay a creative team to further that idea um and explore further what that could be and maybe come up with like bits of um artwork design to support the deck to be able then to go and take a pitch somewhere else for bigger chunks of money so yeah no it's it's kind of cool but some of the projects we've had through which you've seen have actually had prototypes you know they've they've done it they've done the prototype stuck it up on the website and gone look you know what we've gone this far we just need that little bit of extra cash to give us another injection and the way that the financing tends to work in um that I've kind of come across that's working at the moment is little bits of money that come together to form a reasonable amount of money to get that prototype strong enough to back up your deck to be able then to go to people like Epic Games for an Epic Grant or whatever that may be, um, you know, or go to an investor and say, you know, I want to make this it for your hardware um, and here's a prototype that goes with it. So, yeah, I, I mean, I tend to work with a lot of artists on all levels, you know, ones that pitch big and ones that, that start with with small amounts of money. And some of the best projects that have come through are the ones on the smaller amounts of money, not always the big ones. So, um, and I think they're more innovative anyway. Yeah, so that's kind of, that is what the Artisan Grant is. But <clears throat> what we're looking for, actually, is more people to apply. It's, it's there. And I think getting it out in the world and letting people know that it's there um, is a good thing because it's it's not a tall order to apply for that grant. I don't think. No, there's. I mean, 
what's been nice is mm. in, in the time that we've been involved with it, mm. some of the rules have really changed to open it up because yeah. the you know you know the the transition from Kaleidoscope, mm. who and and one of the things is like they they deliberately like separated out their brands so that Kaleidoscope could focus on the events and the some of the mm. fun market stuff they were doing. Yeah. Um. The the grants, you know, there isn't there isn't really a fee you know, anymore, if, am, am I right on that one? Right. Like it's not. Yeah, no, not with some of them. There isn't no. And so, yeah. yeah. And you can, you can apply. And also, you know, those that do want to support it, that maybe are in the culture sector that see it as a worthy cause or people that are in the tech sector, see it as a worthy cause, you know, you can become a member and then you get like voting rights and you can vote on specific projects, you know, in different grants and all of the grants have, you know, for, for our one, it's specifically performance based. Um, but you know, there's, there's one that's, um, more about raising awareness of climate change there's the fem futures grant you know this there are different ones in there it's not just our one um but i think the performance one at the moment is 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 really interesting because we are in a pandemic and we're all you know a lot of people are having to self-isolate so innovation we need innovation though and this is these little grants are where innovation starts you know people to think of that that crazy idea that we've just been talking about um, and putting it down on paper and then saying, okay, this is how I look at business models. I say, right, you're on earth now. This is your idea. Where What's it going to take to get you to the moon? And once you're on the moon, and is moon like the kaleidoscope grant, that first bit of bit of money, you know, and then what's it going to take? And I now I sound a bit like Elon Musk. Uh, what's it going to then take <laughs> to get you to Mars? You know, it's true. You've got to, you've, sometimes you've got to go, right, this is the starting point. This is the next step, but this is where I really want to go with this. Um you know, I, I surround myself with people that have big ideas and I love them for it because they're just great to work with. And um, and they have pulled those big ideas off, you know. Uh, and I'm always saying that to artists. You, it doesn't matter where you are. If you if your project's really cool, think big, you know. Mm. What, what harm's it going to do? You might not get to Mars, but if you get to, move, if you get to the, the moon and you go a little bit further, that's a good thing, is it not? <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, yeah. But other things we do as well, like some of the grants have reached out to me and, and the rest of the board members to have support afterwards. So winning grants will get support with their pitch deck or um, putting a budget together, depending on where they're going. I always ask the question, where are you putting it? You know, what hardware is it going in? Who are you wanting to work with? What's your technical throwdown? You know, all those big questions that, are, that a funder or a, an investor is going to ask you. Um, so there is an element of small mentorship that happens as well afterwards, uh, just because that's that sense of responsibility. But you know, this all comes because I used to run venues and one of the venues I run, which was a, a, a old Matchman Phipps theatre, which is stunning, actually, beautiful theatre. Uh, I had an associate artist programme and then one of the things I stood by for the Arts Council funding I had, MPO funding, was to mentor those artists and how to write funding bids and how to pitch. It's so important to find that side because they don't teach you that in the UK. Don't teach they you don't- that degree level. Nope, it's terrible. You no, do. They, don't, they, don't, they don't teach it. They don't. I mean, I don't. Maybe they teach it at Yale or something. They don't teach it over here either. No. Like I, I, I have a theater degree from a state school, and mm. like the closest we got to the business of it all mm. was a few notes in our audition class. Right. And the 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 worst part is you get to the end of your education. You're you're a mm. fourth, fifth, or in my case, sixth mm. year, and you're because the the impacted mm. <laughs> colleges, and. And you realize all the stuff they didn't teach you, Yeah, you know, that you're like, you're in in the world we're in, you're functionally an entrepreneur. And, you know, 
Yeah. Granted, the world keep the rules keep shifting, and like I'm a little bit less harsh on my professors in the '90s now because mm-hmm. I realized that they they came up in the '70s and it was such mm-hmm. a different world. Mm-hmm. Like they did, they were not they were not prepared to teach us. They had no lived experience mm-hmm. of the world we were entering into, mm-hmm. right? And that's sort of the way things keep going. But mm-hmm. but those fundamentals of this is how you do your taxes. This is this is how you mm-hmm. this is how you pitch. This is how you set your your business up the business of making mm. art yeah. uh, is is not something yeah. that the art schools no they don't do it over here they don't do it over here and i you know i don't know about you but they learn on the job you know it's like yeah you know, it was a dancer then then had an injury and then you know went into working in in theater behind the scenes and learned my trade from a um from a, a very reputable uh, producing house in the uk and worked alongside a woman called ruth mckenzie who uh, well, you know, she she was in charge of the Cultural Olympiad, you know, helped set up Manchester International Festival, actually. Um, and I was lucky enough, really, lucky enough to get that and work alongside people like that. But you, you know, you sort of learn it along the way, which is the wrong thing. It is, it's that, it is wrong now. People need to understand the business side of of running themselves as a company. Um, yeah. And the UK doesn't have it, but it's a, it is an issue, but it's something that I've always sort of stood quite strongly about. And that's what led me to support Artisan because I could see that it, it kind of, it's doing that. It is, it is offering people some money and then a little bit of mentorship to be able to uh, just take it to the next stage. But yeah, no, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? How it just, that, that education is not there. And you think by now it would be, um, I don't know, you know, you, you sort of learn as you go along. I mean, I, one of the things I learned, which is really interesting, really, is the different kinds of pitching between pitching for art and culture to pitching for in the tech sector. Mm. So um, art and culture, you know, I work with various people. Like I said, I work with the, with um, uh, Kate Moss, it's Doi Moss Productions. It's a small limited company we've got. Um, and her husband, Greg, and I... Um, you know, we were constantly fund, going for funding in the arts and culture sector. Then when I'm working with QXR Studios, you know, that team is like brilliant, you know, Graham and Andy and Sean and the rest of the team. They're very much tech. It's a very different way of pitching. There are the fundamentals, but again, there's a different, it's not just about language, actually. It's, it is, there's a different kind of business pitch that you put forward. Um, and that I just, again, learned on the job. That's really mm-hmm. bad, actually. It's terrible, <laughs> but it's, that's the way it was done. And I think there's probably something in that, that actually eventually, maybe at some point, there, there could be courses run in that. There's another idea for you. Um, yeah. Something that is about, uh, yeah, giving people well, and, I mean, that's for both. That's something, uh, you know, yeah. I wear I wear too many hats, and and it means inevitably something like <laughs> it means inevitably something gets like you know uh, neglected for for mm. you know a season. Mm. But you know, one of the thing one of the projects that's like coming off the back burner is the the five hundred one c six, which is like a you know industry group that we've been like cool. putting together here. That's that's you know it's 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 grassroots. Like mm. it's, it's not like a bunch of like you know people with great means are, are putting it together but like the conversations around it are, are, mm. are boiling up again one of the core ideas is around you know uh kind of a, a mutual aid network of for consulting and a mentorship mm. as as one of the core benefits like everyone sort of puts in some time and is able also to like pull some time out to just get just get help help on the things that like they don't they don't have like the core skill set on and and mm-hmm. to, with the idea that like mostly it'd be like 
you know, teaching them how to like do the thing so they can keep going with themselves. But there is right. a, there is an educational component around that, and we've done workshops in the past. And it's it's definitely true that when we've mm-hmm. when we've done workshops, the stuff that people are literally the most interested in are things like how to pitch. Yeah. Like, how do I pitch? How do I do this? And mm-hmm. just to like keep coming back to to those fundamentals and you know and then also just working on I, I I can't help but think as I'm listening to you that you know as people get better at pitching as people go out and like make projects and like get the projects a little bit further that sort of the the infrastructure for those will will get will appear as well you know almost as if it's fuel stations mm. you know there's no need for a fuel station on the moon right now because no one's going to the moon. Like once, <laughs> once there's like six people going to the moon on a regular basis, sooner or later someone's like, you know, I should probably put a service station on the moon. Yeah. Because, uh, <laughs> there was a homes company looking at putting something on the moon. I did. <laughs> no, I can't remember who it was. I'm going to look it up now and find out. But there was, there was actually a talk of like, like wimpy homes or something. We're doing a deal about trying to put homes on the moon. Seriously. Anyway, sorry. I, I interrupt. No, no it's true. No, no, but, but no. <laughs> But that's exactly right, you yeah. know. Like, you know, um, and 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 the metaphor holds in that, you know, as as people are going out in there, people can, you know, there there there's for some people there's money to be made, but also because there's culture to be made, mm. right? You know, and I think you know, and that brings back like the idea of like you know the secondary spend, right? If people yeah. are doing something because they enjoy it. Even if you're not making money off the infrastructure, even if maybe you're someone who thinks that people shouldn't be making money off the infrastructure, which I don't think is an invalid feeling necessarily, um, one way you finance it is through that secondary spend and letting people, you know, um, sell those T-shirts or sell the virtual mm-hmm. T-shirts or and just you know building mm-hmm. building an economy around the experience. Yeah, uh, all of that starts to happen if it's a thing that people are, are, are doing, you know, yeah. sooner or later people, people want to keep doing the thing. So they figure out a way to like make it part of their, part of their livelihood. You know, the other thing you've just said there, there's another idea. See, we should never be on a, on, on a chat. <laughs> this is just deadly. Here's another one, right? So you've just said about people having t-shirts, a virtual t-shirt, like you've mm-hmm. talked about when you go yeah. to see a gig, you go and you, you might buy a t-shirt or something. So I've got some, I've got some from various bands I've seen. And they, yeah, they're a take home. Like you say, you buy a virtual T-shirt, you can then wear that virtual T-shirt on your avatar. And I know there's been uh, various, um, you, um, you know, uh, design houses that have started to put things in virtual, uh, in the virtual space. But just the idea of bands being able to sell virtual T-shirts for people's avatars. So you would then go to, I don't know, you then might go into Fortnite and you've got your, I don't know, say Foo Fighters T-shirt on. I don't know. Yeah. You know? Well, <laughs> I mean, that was definitely part of the pitch good lord like years ago like i remember an early pitch in like the i think it was like the xbox 360 Mm. era there was this whole thing about you know a vision of and then we're going to have these independent designers are going to be able to sell you know um because you could buy my brain jumps around the context (laughs) is you could use microsoft points to buy uh clothing for your avatar that was representative of various games or you might be awarded them because of an achievement you made in the game or because you bought the game but there was also points and those points were something they 
you, they, it was all script in those days. You mm-hmm. bought Microsoft points so you could buy games in certain parts of you, the ultimately they just gave up and said like, it's just real money, but they wanted people mm-hmm. spending points, which is what they do in Fortnite. You buy Fortnite bucks mm. or whatever they call it yeah, uh, in order to buy the avatar goods yes. and yeah. you can buy. And right now a lot of it's around, Oh, buy a map <laughs> Xbox, buy a master chief, you know, master chief's <laughs> avatar is available for a limited time. If you don't get in on it right now, which yeah. when you're, if you're a fan, even if you don't play Fortnite, you know, you might be like, Oh, I better go get that Mandalorian mm. baby Yoda because it's for a limited time. And maybe mm. one day I'll want to be in Fortnite, <laughs> like going to a concert and dress up as the Mandalorian, you know, like yeah. I better go do that. Everyone, I did not go do that. <laughs> it sounds like, but I want to assure you, I'm not spending the Patreon money on Fortnite skins. I may be mad, but I'm not that mad. Um, so you're <laughs> trust me, I'm not gonna do that ever. Um, okay, maybe not ever, but just like not right now. Um, so anyway, but yeah. so that that ecosystem. It, yeah, uh, th- th- those things those things are are happening. Like mm-hmm. where things get interesting is, you know, uh, and, and where some people are starting to look at. And mm-hmm. I don't want to invoke the, the the name, the the NFT, right? Mm-hmm. But like, like, you know, can you can you get that once, or you know, can you can you buy that virtual T shirt, and then it kind of follows you around into these different worlds. Like when people talk about metaverse, Mm. that's what I'm thinking about is like, so, so let's say, you know, I bought a nine inch nails concert Mm. shirt, something I do do. And, you know, maybe, and, and you don't get it, you wouldn't get the digital version for free. I know because I tried that with comic books and they ultimately were like, oh, we're, we're losing money <laughs> on this. Mm-hmm. Let's make them buy it separate or like upcharge for the digital. Yeah. So I, you spend a couple of extra dollars to get mm-hmm. the digital copy. And then the idea is like, oh, well, you can put that on your avatar in Fortnite or in, um, you know, in Roblox yeah. in VR chat, you know, carry it with you wherever you go yeah. and, you know, r- redeem it and then have it everywhere. And then when folks get excited about NFT, they get excited about the possibility of someone makes a bespoke, you know, piece of digital art, maybe even a wearable digital mm. art piece. And because it's bespoke, it's unique, then the ability to like sell it and make sure it transfers. And then we're back into this world of, of scarcity, which like, eh, I'm not, I'm not so hot on, on that as a possibility, mm-hmm. but this idea of, you know, d- does the market get to the point where, you know, you're, you're, you're buying something once and getting to use it anywhere where the, the venues are in place and where it's. Can they, the, yeah. Can it cross from one thing to the other? And is that ever really going to happen? You know, when we talk about all the technology that we've got, we all tend to buy a particular, I don't know, set of stuff so that it all talks to each other, doesn't matter what what that may be, um, because it makes our lives easier. Um, Because once you then start to throw a different company in the mix, it it throws it all out. And um, it's like, oh, that doesn't work with that, or whatever that may be. Um, So, yeah, no, you're right. But also then it got me thinking the idea that if you are then – um, starting to buy stuff, um, you know, then you start thinking about the ethics of it. If you're buying all this stuff online, you know, in in this world, your wardrobe becomes a thing. Then do you get like the version of eBay, you know, going on where people or some, you know, some kind of 
secondhand selling things. So you've got your Eve seller on handbag that, you know, that you're then going to sell for a lot more money because a certain person had it. I oh, know you just like, then you're building an <laughs> ecosystem that we're yeah. all get away from now. And you're only putting, you're just putting it in a digital world. It's like, no. Yeah. Well, I think, I, think that's, <laughs> I think that's what the people who are do, yeah. into NF, at least some of the mm. folks into NFTs, yeah. non-fungible tokens for those who want to mm. know the curse. Yeah. Uh, I think that, I think they're excited about that prospect of like, yeah. no, you don't understand this is mark hamill's virtual lights like he used this in a Fortnite event and this is the exact code because it's it's woven into the dna and it's it's a little bit of like hmm yeah i don't i don't know like this yeah it's like back to scarcity back to ownership yeah and you know, there's companies out there that are like selling plots of land on virtual earth. Ugh, oh, and I'm just like, crazy. or, you know, I could just yeah. build a server. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> you know, It's like the virtual art stuff that's happening at the moment. I mean, it's such a big love yeah. for that, isn't there? Um, yeah. And I, I love an original pieces of art. I think, uh, you know, a lot, I will invest in, in pieces, not a lot of money, believe you me, but you know, if I see a, an art, a, painting of something that I think is really lovely and the artist you know is starting out yeah maybe I could afford it but I do have stuff on my wall to look at on a daily basis am I really going to look it up on my laptop or on my phone is my big question and I know some stuff has been selling for a lot of money is it Grimes has been selling it for a huge amount of money um, yeah, the, the, NF, the NFT market's nuts. Mm. Grimes made a couple of million dollars in yeah. like 20 minutes. And then yeah. there's like something that I think sold through Sotheby's for like in the oh. millions. Yeah. And 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 look, some mm. of this art is some of the art is absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. Maybe. Right. And but there's there's a whole level of like the environmental costs on blockchain mm. are like they're just they're they're immoral. I'll mm. I'll put it. I'll just I'll just right. I got some folks who like love, 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 love it because they look at they look at the way that this idea of a decentralized, you know, um, you know, market will mm-hmm. do. But like all, all I can do is just have like like Adam Curtis documentary nightmare fever dreams. Like what happens? What's what's the Adam Curtis documentary about the mm-hmm. blockchain going to be in ten years? Like mm-hmm. how how bad is it going to be? Like I just was watching his latest one and right. you know, realized, you know, just seeing like you know what happened when you know nixon took america off the gold standard and that's what created the foreign currency market mm-hmm. and the foreign currency markets what created like the global lending market mm-hmm. and that all of this stuff happened like two years before i was born mm-hmm. and just being like you mean the world's operating system was completely different mm-hmm. and they just did these things they didn't know what the they didn't know what the impact was going to be yeah and i this idea you know, parts of it sound good. It's like, yeah. oh, hey, you know, what what happens when you decouple? You know, how much freedom will you create when you decouple currency from, uh, from from nations? And yeah. and that sounds theoretically good, but then you realize, oh, but that happened already in the seventies, mm. and it led to where we are. So not really that much freedom happens, actually. Mm. Um, not for not for people down I'm- at the at the end of the. Yeah, the end of the chain of it all. I mean, yeah. also, you know, you, I suppose this really brings into question. I mean, we we talk about money at the beginning and I talk about money all the way through. So I'm always thinking of the budget and where you get the money from to make stuff. But equally, you know, there is there are, there is also the ethics of the things that you do. And we're getting to that by talking about this, you know, is that, yeah. you know, there comes a point where if you are, um, like you say, you know, if you're, if, if 
things are moving so quickly, but they're not being questioned or ta- or being um, researched and debated properly. Something runs away with itself, and then mm-hmm. you, it's not so easy to go backwards. Uh, That's so, the critical thing. It's not easy to go backwards. Not easy to go backwards. Like, and so, like, whatever we create and make in this sector, you, me, all of us people that are there doing it, there is a level of responsibility of what we bring into the world. Um, yeah, you know that that secondary spend model we talk about, great, but is it really that great? Is it something that we should be feeding the beast? You know, do we feed the beast? Um, because actually, would it be the artist that would get the the uh, you know? some of the money from that or does a majority of that go in to feed the bigger corporates, you know, the bigger, bigger organizations. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I don't one of the things that's nice about what they're doing in that NFT art market is like mm. they're writing these contracts that mm. say that, you know, and they're coding it in that like if the piece of art gets sold, that the artist gets a percentage of that sale, Good. that like a smart contract. But from a legal standpoint, no one's ever tried to enforce one of those. Not so yet. no one knows if it's actually going to you know, work. If someone says like, no, screw you, I'm not going to pay yeah. you that money. Yeah. Is that legally enforceable? That's untested. Yeah. And then there's just, there's also then that externality ethics issue, the blockchain, the way it's working, eats up a lot of mm. you know ele- electrical resources. That's right now means hydrocarbons and there are these reports of like oh yeah like someone Mm. minted an nft and it was the equivalent of like you know half a century's worth of one person's uh hydrocarbon footprint right like it it used up that much energy and that seems that is untenable Mm. like that's putting the foot literally on the gas pedal of climate change when we're already accelerating and ignoring those externalities, it, even if we go like, oh, but like, you know, if we're all doing digital, then we're not flying planes, you know, maybe we can maybe we can shift where, you know, it's like, remember at the beginning of the pandemic when the air was suddenly clean and like, yeah. you know, we saw the spikes go down before yeah. everyone started driving again. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, there's ways to shift it, but. And apparently, like the climate's a lot more fragile than we than anyone ever realized. Yeah. Again, I'm watching the Adam Curtis documentary, and it's like <laughs> nightmares. Mm. Uh, yeah, can't get you out of my head. That's the one, everybody. Uh, it's on YouTube. You don't need to. You don't need to pirate iPlayer, which is what I used to do. Um, uh, <laughs> you guys just have better television than we do. It's just it's just true. Um, uh, most of the good stuff on Netflix is actually just British television. Um, well, um... Not even joking. It is. <laughs> is you know yeah um but like the like i want artists to get paid but i keep coming back to the idea of Mm. you know should what we be doing is trying to find a way to build stronger commons yeah should should, should this to these vast sums of money that are being made off things like you know jack dorsey creating an autograph for one of his tweets should those actually be given to charity now jack is actually doing that so it's like good on jack he's going to give direct payments to folks in africa that's wonderful but as a system not everyone's going to do that and and maybe what we need is written into these contracts and and into these markets and even as people talk about what do we do about copyright i keep coming back around to to the idea of you know what if if we were dealing with copyright if we rewrote the copyright laws so that 
there's always a percentage that's going back into fuel the commons that's automatically going into uh you know cultural spend yeah so that and that you know as you ex- that maybe like if someone wants to hold on the copyright or like it's just that like as time goes on if a company's holding on to like if disney's holding on to mickey mouse well after when copyright should have expired but that every year the spend into the cultural commons mm. gets more intense so that younger artists new artists can go in and maybe they don't get to remix mickey mouse but that the resources are there for them that would be the equivalent yeah. of remixing Mickey Mouse. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. So you're feeding back into the economy. I mean, like you say, in those contracts, if it could feed back into the sector, it makes sense. Something they did in the UK, which uh, when they first brought in the National Lottery, uh, it was uh, that money that, that was going into the lottery, obviously part of it goes into um, different areas in the country, um, and yeah. so obviously you went into Arts Council England um, and that funds uh, what the culture sector is. But then the ticket sales of the lottery started to go down because people were buying into the Euro lottery. Um, mm. And that really did affect the funds and it affected the budget of the Arts Council. Um, and that, you know, that was something that was talked a little bit about, but it's gone very quiet again. This was a good few years ago now. Um, it, it, yeah, it, as much as that model was put in place, it it also allowed government to dip out. It kind of put them in yeah. a position where they couldn't support. I mean, it's not the same in the States. I mean, you don't, you guys don't get like the Arts Council like we get. But, <laughs> we don't, but, we know, don't get anything. <laughs> we'd, we'd be so <laughs> thankful if we got a bit of a bit of yeah. the water. But it's an interesting, yeah, it's, a, it's a model. I mean, you're right. Go back to that contract idea and about rights ideas. You know, this is all, this is all completely new territory. All this stuff when you're making this, when, when you and I are helping people get work out into the world, yeah. there is the responsibility behind the scenes to do with with copyright, with contracts, with actually the ethics of what we're doing and the 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 how much uh, we are contributing to uh, the, the climate crisis. You have to think of all these things. It's very easy yeah. to just go, let's just make nice art and get some stuff out there. Um, more than ever this year because of the pandemic, I think people have taken a step back and started to think about the decisions and the things that they put out in the world and that they make. Um, yeah. And I think, yeah, that's a, it is a good point. I mean, I, I could talk for hours about you know contracts and and you know uh, ways forward for the sector um but i think it does need at some point someone needs to get some some brains in the room to really debate it i mean you and i are talking about it but it would be good at some point not saying a conference because i think none of us could do another zoom conference please <laughs> um, but i do think there has to be there has to be conversations about this. Like people have conversations about the ethics of, of you know, machine learning and artificial intelligence. There yeah. has to be there has to be conversations about the work that that even on the work that we're making and we're putting out there. You know, uh, well, I think. I mean, I think there's there's it's, it's got to be more than conversations because I mean, yeah. one, we, we, you know, there there needs to be conversations and healthy debate with the folks who are probably a hard line on on the opposite sides of this stuff mm. from you know our positions, right? Mm. But I think. Um, just to like get a full a full measure of it, because there are folks who are definitely, you yeah. know, mm. they you know the, the the philosophy of you know the individual, you know, um, just like like no, there should be like no limits on what someone does with mm. one of these things. Like you should be able to self determine, and and I respect, I can mm. respect that point of view. Like I think that there's a there's a, a deliberate ignoring of the externalities in mm. that point of view, and even of like some of the psychological 
uh, impact on someone who is a staunch individualist. That's one of the things that's fascinating. Again, I keep coming back. I've been watching this Adam Curtis documentary. There's a whole section about Valium <laughs> and like the way like that, like value that Valium came up uh, in order to like deal with the malaise of individualism because people in the suburbs felt isolated. Uh, and who was the great salesman of Valium? Sackler. And yeah. what would Sackler then come up with? Oxycodone, right? That causes the problem now. It's just like yeah. the, the, the cycles, they continue yeah. forever. And it's just like, I'm sitting here, I get my mind blown every night as I watch one of these. And then also getting <laughs> very depressed. Uh, it's like, we're trapped, we're trapped. We're just having a night off. But like um, this, this idea, more than just like talking about it, like, you know, yeah. you kind of have to like pick your value set. Right. And like, I mean, ethics, I think conversations about ethics, people often like get totally turned out. Even I burn out on them. Mm. But there's there's a point where what that is really about is, you know, what do you value? And are you not just are you living up to what you're saying? It's like, are you building the world that you really want? Yeah. You know? And yeah. like, or are, are, are your actions actually undermining you or maybe do you actually want a different world than what you think you want right like um it's it's really important because we are now a, well, i suppose we are at a turning point we're a turning point in many things massive. but but the but because we've all been on station we've had time to think and you're right you we want to be making and putting things in the world uh that's going to inform the world in the way that we want it to be um yeah you know i as much as I, you know, would love to go back to probably being a hippie and living off the land, it's not really going to happen for me in the UK in the pouring rain. Um, but, <laughs> you know, but there are there are parts of my, yeah, the parts of our lives that we're all changing, that we're all um, making, you know, steps towards. But there's also, there's also, it's very easy to forget in your day-to-day life when you're making work and when you're put, when you are supporting people to make work using tech and what we're doing and easy to forget the impact that you are having um and also what you're saying i mean i the more that i've noticed recently has been an awful lot of call outs for projects that are working with technology that are either to do with raising awareness of climate change or black lives matter or you know um you know inequalities of young women around the world whatever that may be there is definitely more of a drive for products and um projects cultural arts projects with with technology that do have something to say and it doesn't have to be completely in your face you know it can be a very underlying thing um i was using an example the other day and this goes back to the rse thing we were talking earlier this piece that we made as fellows was was actually an immersive cocktail experience immersive theater cocktail experience live actress in a space um mixed reality headsets but the underlying theme of it was actually climate change. You know, when you look mm. at someone like's dream, it is, um, it is, it's deforestation, and that was that was the piece that we created that we were meant to take to South by. And it was really, it was a, it was a nicer way rather than going look what we're doing to the planet. It was about the audience members discovering the fun of nature. You know, reminding you of what it was like to jump in a puddle as a child, or I don't know, forage for things and find stuff. Uh, and all those little things that, that the audience found and were engaging with then went back to the actress who was playing Puck, who then made the amazing cocktail. Um, so, yeah, so it's it's 
it can be subtle. It can be subtle, but equally it can be harsh and has sometimes in some cases it has to be. But well, that's so, I mean, in subtle yeah. can I teach you the mm. the rules of the world mm. in a way yeah. that that harsh yeah. doesn't, right? Yeah. Like yeah. I often think about the whole point of sort of immersive and experiential, particularly mm. when we talk about experiential art. Yeah. You know, it's about you know, it's about behavior mm. and about showing behavior, shaping behavior. And there's there's dark ways to do it, right? Like there's a way of approaching it as this is a system of managerial control and we can get people to behave in a certain way by rewarding them and we can shape their experience and, you know, turn them into good cattle. Mm. Or there's a way in which you can show people, you know, the power that they have inside of a system and the agency that they have. Mm. uh, And it can become a, a tool of you know, liberation mm. in, in that sense, but it, it is a sword. It is double edged. It will yeah. always cut both ways. Mm. You know, what are you doing with it? You know, what even, what lessons are you passing on that maybe you don't even know? Yeah, know. Right. And yeah. not to the point where you get philosophical and like, mm. you know, move yourself to the points where you don't want to do anything, mm. but you got to kind of be a little bit knowing that this is the table stakes. Yeah, and I'm sure we've stuff. all, yeah, and we're probably sure, like you said about double-edged sword in what you make, um, is very true. And we've probably all made pieces of work where we think, oh, actually, that's really dated and that shouldn't have had that in it or that isn't correct. Or, you know, there are there are pieces that, that I've been involved in in the past. I look back on and think, wow, that, that piece of theatre or musical theatre, whatever it is, just wouldn't stand up now, you know, because of yeah. some of the stuff in it. And yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, you have to, you have to recognize where something is outdated and it, you know, the world has moved on and that double-edged sword, you don't see it at the time though. You're so caught up in what you're doing. Um, it, I think you know it's a good thing to step back. I've enjoyed stepping back a bit and looking at the yeah. world. I also got to think like, you know, granted there are some people who have just been like, you know, on, on a tip for forever uh, and very, very consistent and people love to admire you know, them for that and yeah. and it's 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 admirable like they saw where the you know where things were going but like how's it gonna think like we shouldn't be too harsh on ourselves when we look back and see you know, like old work and be like oh wow we do not we did not know what we were on about <laughs> that means we grew yeah and maybe yeah. in the moment that's where things needed to be yeah. and now we're farther down the, the line mm-hmm. and like you know it's it's like you know <laughs> It's like we we don't think of you know our eight year old selves and go like oh well you were a right shit you know <laughs> like, I know you were eight like of course you were a right shit yes. you know like you were yeah. eight years old no. you, you you have to have that permission to like be wrong you do, your past you self do. has to have permission to be wrong you know somebody said well, I was talking to uh, someone today actually and we were talking about that that, that we it it's really good to celebrate your failures. It's really mm. good about projects that you go, oh, that just didn't really work. That wasn't very good. There's projects I've worked on, which I at the time I thought, yeah, this is going to be great and groundbreaking. And then look back and thought, actually, no, it's, it's, the world isn't ready for it yet. It's much more of a research project. Or <laughs> I've, you know, worked on things that um, I've thought at the beginning, oh, I'm not really feeling this. I don't really think it's going to go anywhere. And then, by heck, I've been wrong. <laughs> it's been huge. So, yeah, you just, you just don't always know. I mean, there was a piece of work that I made, oh, God, a good few years ago now. Uh, and it used motion capture in live performance. Um, and the premise and the concept of it was great. And the audience were coming in and, you know, sitting on the stage and putting um, VR headsets on and were part of the action. And the company were Olympic Theatre, who are 
brilliant, brilliant theatre company. Um, and Ben and Juan were the sort of directors of it. They, we, we made this piece of work and it, yes, it, it, it can go out and tour, but God, it, Bayek, it felt like a research project all the way through because we were really trying to push the boundaries of this thing. And the way that they worked was much more experimental. So it didn't necessarily sign off a script. And that's really hard when you're making assets. And, oh, the whole process was just, it was really tough. Um, but it, it takes a lot to refine something, a lot. And now we've had a couple of years out and it hasn't toured because of COVID. Um, when we all come back to it, uh, it will be refined in a way that it will go, it was good that we put it on the shelf for a couple of years to reflect and sit back. You know, I think those moments are, are quite important. Um, it's very easy when you're in theatre to go, oh, it's marvellous, darling, it's marvellous. Is it? Really? <laughs> you know what I mean by that one? <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, no, it's true. I mean- I mean, right from, the, right from the start, I've been I've been the one who like you know never accepted the praise, uh, yeah. unless unless it came from the person who like mm. I knew could see my flaws, mm. and I and I mean right from the start, I mean literally like at at sixteen years old, that's that's how I was as a performer. Like mm. people coming backstage being like, "Oh, you were amazing tonight," and I was like, "Like mm, was I? Was I? No, I don't think so." Like you 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 don't know what's going on, and then like yeah. you know model director you know coming up and being like oh oh i saw you were struggling here but like this moment was really good i was like oh thank you <laughs> thank you yeah. for honesty you know? <laughs> yeah and it's quite rare it's quite rare because I'm, I'm super critical and always was even mm. as a dancer i was really super critical and it, yeah I, it, it, it that maybe that's a good thing or a bad thing i don't know but i preferred that and i yeah the whole marvelous darling thing i can't be doing with i just think no mm. it's not give give people proper credit and praise say praise where it's due and and you know i do believe in constructive criticism but i also you know you you can say something that bit was amazing but actually if you'd looked at this that might have just boosted that bit a bit more you know there's ways of doing it you don't have to be mean yeah. um so yeah no i'm definitely like that and i'm like that in this sector i mean there's some brilliant work out there but there, everything, there's still an awful lot to be learned and a lot to be done to push it to sometimes some pieces to the, to the level in which we're looking for. You know, there's, there's some beautiful pieces to look at, but the story narrative isn't strong or the story narrative is really strong, but the visual isn't quite there. You know, it's, it's interesting. I think narrative is, is, well, that's another, that's a different podcast. You and I talk mm-hmm. about narrative. That's a completely different one. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it'd be interesting. Be interesting. I would really look forward to your thoughts on Dream. I really look forward to your thoughts on that. Well, yeah, yeah uh, well, I I'll, I'll, appreciate I'm, your I, judgment. Yeah, yeah I, I get to see it this weekend, so I'm. Eh? Uh, I, I, I got to double check on that. Like, I got, I got the invite, and then I'm like, oh, I realize I haven't heard anything in a minute. I better double check to make you sure. You might be with me then. I don't know. Is it this weekend? Mm-hmm. I think it is. Is it Saturday? Yeah, I've got I've got one I've got one for this Saturday, and this this yeah. show will go up on on Friday. So literally, like you know, t- yeah. tomorrow when people yeah. are able to access this, or a lot of people will hear this mm. after I've already seen. Mm. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm because you know it's it's such a different you know it's 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 a different use of the tool set mm. than I think what we've been traditionally excited about. Yeah, but this idea that you can use this tool set. Mm to reach volumes more people and that you can still have, you know, an expression of agency for some part of the audience. Yeah. Um, th- that's, that's part of the the spectrum here. Yeah. That's part of the continuity of, of, you know, if, if we are going to have a fully functioning field, mm. we need, we need experiences that go from 
high agency, fully immersive, yeah. you know, 3D embodied, all the way to low agency portal based viewing, but still hold those ties together and and maybe even use the same tool set. Mm-hmm. And that's what's exciting about it for me is that every piece of kit that's being deployed here could be used to deploy it as something that's fully immersive. Yeah. But this way you get more people plugged into the experience, more people plugged into the world and maybe more people wanting to, and I don't know, having not done it, you know, I've seen some stills, seen some gifts of like the forest and being like, this is beautiful Mm -hmm. and being like, Oh, I would love to turn this toward this in VR. And because the assets are there, maybe that's something that winds up happening. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's true what you say about that audience, you know, it, you've got to think about the audiences that would be engaging with the RSC generally. And so there has to be and with this project, you know, there had to be an element that you have to be able to encompass those people that aren't normally used to so much tech. Um, but also, like you say, it's a step, like we talked earlier, it's about that stepping stone. It's about the stepping stone of holding people's hand with the technology. Because once they've done something like this, they might go, oh, actually, I might try that VR thing. You know, it's it's about giving people confidence to take little baby steps with the tech, which then builds the audiences, you know, and all that stuff, which brings me right back to what we were talking about in the beginning. Um, so, yeah, about the audience, you know, the, the importance of growing that audience because then it makes it easier to, you know, find that investment. And so, yeah, so it's been interesting. I'd be interesting to know what the audience numbers will be because, I mean, IT Media are conducting all the audience research stuff and, and we'll be able to get stats on on the figures of how many people engaged and things like that would be really interesting. But there's so much tech going on behind the scenes with it. Super cool tech that people probably won't even realise. The sound tech's amazing. Um, the Philharmonia and a woman that I know called Anastasia have been working on. Um, and that is, yeah, that's really, really cool stuff. Um, and in fact, you should get Anastasia on one of your podcasts. She's super cool. And she is really, really interesting when it comes to talking about 3D sound design and stuff like that. She's really good. But she's worked on this. Um, yeah, so it'd be interesting to... I'd like your... I really would like your thoughts on it. Um, okay. Yeah, as soon as you've been in. I, I think you will pick out all the technology. You'll be able to pick it all. <laughs> you'll be able to do the technical throwdown straight away. <laughs> Which, you know, Granny Miggins won't necessarily work out. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll... you'll um... You, you'll get you'll get my take. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't think I'm gonna. I don't think I'm writing. Well, we're not. We're not gonna do a review uh, because it's an R and D project, and that's yeah. like not not appropriate. But yeah. you know, like I'll in one form or another, I will definitely share my thoughts, and yeah. I will definitely share my thoughts with you, and we'll, we should have a chat about it. Yeah. Uh, remember when I said that? Like sometimes it goes for like you know thirty minutes, and sometimes mm-hmm. it goes longer. So we're at the hour and twenty minute mark. <laughs> Always with you. Well, you and I should never get together. This is deadly. No, is no, this happens every deadly. time. Pretty much every time it happens. Uh, yeah. Anyway. So uh, I should let you go have an evening, and I got, I've got to, I've got to like publish reviews, and yeah. we've got a, we've got a little event we're doing at the end of the month that I got to go like uh, yes. do some work on. So, um, thank you. Yeah, off, off to the mines. But uh, Lou, as always, this is this is fantastic, and. I'm glad everyone got to eavesdrop on us for once. No, it's lovely. It's been a real joy, actually. I love, I love having a chat. So yeah, next time um, we might need to do it in chapters. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm your poor listeners. Thank you for listening <laughs> to me waffle on. Um, but yeah, no. Hopefully, you and I will um, we can do this again very soon.
Once again, I want to thank Ludoy for being our guest on the show. I hope that was as delightful for you as it was for me. Um, okay, the opening of the show was... Oh, and uh, you can find <laughs> Lou has a website. Of course, everyone has a website. Uh, that would be ludoy.com. See, that's pretty easy. Uh, also, links in the show notes. Um, okay. The opening was way too long. Uh, the coffee has not kicked in yet. Uh, that was just a minute ago for me, even though it's been a long time. You don't remember the opening anymore. Uh, lucky you. <laughs> I do. It's all I can think about right now. Um, check it. Springfling's going to be fun. Um, I'm in stress out mode right now because I'm like, I've got to finish doing all the speaker bios and I got to get all the stuff up and I have to tell everybody what it is we're doing and like, you know, and like be like, oh, hey, do you have this thing for me yet? Uh, like Room Escape Artist uh, gave me their description yesterday and then like the clubhouse thing kept me from doing it. And then at a certain point I burn out. I'm like, oh, uh, my brain's only good for video games. Um, and so there's a bunch of stuff going to be going up over the weekend. Um, we've got to get the unconference going. So it's just this, this thing for me right now is just this like <laughs> anxiety, uh, to do list. Uh, but the actual thing, um, this is going to be fun. Uh, I'm looking forward to the world hops cause like, uh, Will Cherry of XR social club and one of our correspondents and then, um, and then folks from the uh, VRC uh, prefabs community, are going to uh, run a world hop. At least one. We're going to have at least one world hop from each of those cats. I mean, we might get some more. I keep on going like, can someone else want to lead some world hops? Um, but for those who aren't doing world hops, you know, the Wild Optimists are running a game. Uh, I'm talking to someone else about running a game. We're going to open up game night for everyone. I know Catherine's going to run some stuff. Um, I will probably go into Clubhouse or something and run some of the goofy, weird experiments uh, that I like. The... Um, but more importantly, and the one that I need to get up on the site, see, this is how my brain works. Uh, the, the cats from the social games club on clubhouse are going to be running some stuff. And those guys are, are, are really going out of the way. Uh, that would be, uh, Michael Ronan and, uh, Kyle Kaminsky. And actually they're, they're sandwiching. They've got a Seder that night cause it's Passover. And so they're sandwiching. <laughs> <laughs> that into running running some some social games on clubhouse uh for us all so um let's make it worth their while now you don't need ticket to play on the clubhouse stuff you do need clubhouse which um is like still it's weird like um some folks have like fallen completely in love with it i still have this kind of cagey relationship with it um i think there's a there's a lot of potency in what it's doing but its ui is just strange like they've hidden a lot of stuff behind long presses uh i i i'm like some things feel deliberately obtuse but in ways that are just frustrating uh it's like why would you do it like that um but that being said we have put together the everything immersive club on there uh that's what we're running the everything immersive radio out of and we've got the one show the weekly kind of what you've been playing show but um, look for more. Probably going to do some more uh, pre-interview uh, ones um, and maybe some maybe some other uh, fun functionality um, as we go along. But we'll also be doing some of that stuff over in the Discord. Um, I'm really excited about, uh, about the Slack turning into just a work tool for the, the team and then the, all the community stuff getting focused in on the Discord. So uh, folks are starting to kind of trickle in. There's a lot of people who have access to it, and folks are starting to post. And I think we got a real shot here to 
you know, create a center for the community that is not beholden to the algorithms. That's not beholden to like, um, too much, uh, too much of like, you know, venture capitalists in Silicon Valley deciding what it is that we're supposed to be seeing, you know, weirdly enough, discord gives us freedom over that. Um, which just sometimes I'm like, Oh, really? Discord? Discord's the thing? Looks like Discord's the thing, man. So that's um that's what I'm sort of gonna be working on being like the center of what we're doing. And it's one of the reasons why uh it's gonna be the center for uh the weekend uh for spring fling. Like I said, if you're back already, it's five bucks. It's ten bucks if you're not. Honestly, <laughs> the thing to do, go become a backer. We've got a two dollar backer level. They get the discount too. Right. <laughs> like I'm winking. I'm winking right now. Like I've made this easy for you. So, okay. Um, yeah. Swing on through. You're tired of me. I'm tired of me, but spring is coming. I'm just, I'm, I don't know. I, I'm feeling, I'm feeling good about the direction the country is going in right now. Just with all the, the announcement that, um, the vaccine is supposed to be available to all adults who want it as of May 1st, that you can be able to get a, get a, that, that, you know, you'll be allowed to ask for it. Um, that the supply should be there by the end of May. Um, just the, the, the possibilities it opens up. Um, it's, um, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm trying to look at that too dead on because I'm getting a little emotional. Um, I think some of you probably know, like, you know, lost family to it, um, have a lot of anger around that. Uh, it's complicated anger. Um, been scared for my mom. Very glad she got jabbed. Um, been, been scared on a certain level for me. Don't allow myself to process that, but you know, I got some pre existing conditions. I'm a chunky boy. Um, so knowing how the disease goes, knowing all that stuff and, and just coming to this point where, you know, it's, it's a year ago this week where, you know, everything shut down and we made the call to pull the plug on the summit a few days before the decision would have been made for us. And the week before that, it was just really agonizing um, because we had, we were looking forward to doing it and it was going to be such a turning point. Um, it was, it was such a moment for us and watching that get taken away. Um, and then you pivoting in and, and doing the digital, uh, but not being remotely the same. Um, that was, uh, it was devastating. And the first few months of the pandemic, you know, just really knocked back in, in a deep way. And so now that we're coming out the other end and, um, I'm, I'm, I think I'm just going to start processing that. And the spring fling is supposed to be one of the ways that I'm processing that. And, and one of the things I'm doing, um, uh, and, and, generally like my best impulses tend to be like, Oh, let's, let's do something for everybody. Um, and, uh, and this one, there's a bit of it, uh, where some of this is for me, 
Um, I, I, I miss you guys. I want to throw a party. Um, I like throwing parties. I like playing host. Um, it, it gives me a sense of purpose and like, like legit, like deep down cellular level. So, um, I, I, I hope that I'm uh, able to show you guys a good time at the end of the month. Um, and that, uh, it makes you want to come hang out, uh, when we do the thing in January in Pasadena for real. And that this is the, the beginning, uh, this is the beginning that, uh, it's not the beginning we wanted, but it's the beginning we got. And so it's the beginning we're going to do the best we can with. See, there you go. That's how you do that. All right. Um, Yeah. Okay, well, let's do the credits. Uh, let's do the credits before I get like weird and emotional. I got I got family stuff I got to go take care of after this, and I still got to get this post up. So, uh, got the newsletter, got the call sheet. <laughs> like it's busy. Been it's been it's been quite the little week. The music for No Persinium is by Chris Porter of this. Oh, pff, stop! No, um, <laughs> feel terrible. If you don't know about fifth wall forums uh yet but the reveals i know so who's gonna make it to this part like i feel really bad now uh the reveals are happening tomorrow um i'm gonna get to catch like part of it because my ticket to see dream is literally like an hour in so i don't get to stick around but check out the fifth wall forum reveals um where the project the folks around the projects are sharing what they've been working on there's like 13 projects that are going swing on through the clubhouse next week check out kent's uh and we're going to be talking some more about that i'm sure uh but also uh, if, uh we'll have it all we'll have posts and links uh to projects that have that are linkable uh definitely as part of uh, the mega thread next week and also we'll trickle it out and um also our south by southwest west coverage yeah, I'm not really awake yet today. That's this is that's I'm like, why is everything? It's like because you're not awake. All right, I'm not awake. I'm doing this when I'm not awake. So let's do the credits. <laughs> this was a show. Thank God I was awake when I talked to Lou. I don't know how that happened either because it was early. <laughs> it's like around this time. Um, okay, music for No Presidium is a curse porter of the Speakeasy Society. Uh, our sustaining backers are Mark Balthazar, Jan Budman, Paul F., Sidney Guillory, Lonnie Hanson. Ari Hurston, Emily Gillette, Samuel Mystery, Brittany, and Elaine. Thank you all so much. Thanks for putting up with me. Um, I'm going to drink this coffee. I'm going to go get ready for the day. And I hope you have a lovely weekend. And until next time, sincerely, thank you for wearing the mask. <laughs>